Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Good morning. It uh, this this will be a definite indication that things are different. Um, I, I've been away, um, so for those who don't know, I'm Canon Craig Barrett. I'm the interim rector here at Apostles, um, and I've been away uh, to have a cataract surgery. And so right this second, I can see you all beautifully, but I can see nothing um, right here um, whatsoever. So um, I'm going to do that. Um, which is so weird and different, so I apologize. For the, for me, it's all kind of crazy and strange. So, um, But anyway, um, I thought <clears throat> it would. it's an appropriate morning. I thought I might even, it's the Lord works really great. When Ryan was leading us in Great Are You, Lord, I was standing there, and I thought this captures where we are this morning. And if I can find that line that was there, you get bring light to the darkness, and you give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. For me, that captures and encapsulates this morning. There's light, which I can see a lot of it now, so I really capture that. But there's hope to the broken, and I hope you'll see that um, as we go through the lesson this morning. So maybe let me pray for us once again this morning. Father, we do thank you that you are the light that we celebrate this season of Epiphany and that you bring that light into our hearts so that our hearts are transformed and you provide hope to the hopeless that you send us to minister to. Speak a word to us this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was a Sunday morning that I will never um, forget. The rector stepped into the pulpit, as he had every Sunday morning for as long as I could remember, and he began to preach, pretty much like he had for all of those years as well. But then, totally unexpected, a stranger stood up and confronted the preacher and began to challenge him and the congregation's lack of concern. True story, downtown um, El Paso Church where I was uh, grew up and uh, in the middle of downtown um, where currently, as you are well aware, there are a lot of needy people on the streets. And this particular preacher was just preaching like normal, and this guy stood up and said, you're not caring for the people. You're not paying attention. You're not caring for the needs that you see all around you. And he was specific, he was articulate, and he was accurate. The ushers quickly and quietly, honestly in formation. If, you have, if you've ever seen a really good set of ushers, they, they, they marched right over put their arm around this gentleman, and they ushered him out to the side door. And as he was going, the rector lovingly said, I'll meet with you after the service uh, this morning. Then, as if nothing had really happened, he continued with his sermon. And the service continued. And everyone went back home at the conclusion of that Sunday morning worship service. Psychiatrist Dr. Stephen Goss points to research that shows we usually don't respond when there's a fire alarm rings. Have you ever thought about that? Instead of leaving the building immediately, we stand around and we wait for more clues. 
But then, even with more information, we still don't make a move. You know, sadly, sometimes that proves deadly. And research also has shown that when we do move, we follow old habits. I'm sure that you've seen recently in the news how they report that when there's a plane that lands precariously or whatever, they say to get out, people still open up the bins to get out their bags, to get whatever they need to get. They want to collect their stuff. We don't trust emergency exits. We almost always try to exit a room through the same door that we entered. God concludes his following. He says, after 25 years as a psychoanalyst, I can't say that this surprises me. We resist change. Committing ourselves to a small change, even one that is unmistakably in our best interest, is often more frightening than ignoring a dangerous situation. We don't want an exit if we don't know exactly where it's going to take us, even or especially in an emergency. Here's a takeaway line for me. We want to know what new story we're stepping into before we exit the old one. Mark tells us this morning, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to him, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Right there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, they left their livelihood, they left their boats, and they left their family and the family business. Retired bishop and former chaplain of Duke, uh, William Willimon, writes that this passage is what he calls a preacher's dream. He says, Mark only gives us the briefest of descriptions, noting that some say Mark is only giving the highlights, sort of the skipping stone, if you will. They'd say he obviously has condensed the story, giving what we might say just the facts, that they were fishermen and Jesus called them and they followed him. Which now Wilmont says, of course, is the open door for the preacher to fill in the blanks and say, well, you know, surely their decision came after hours of conversation and of teaching and praying about it. And what about these men? You know, why were they called? What kind of lives were they living? What were their relationships? And so the preacher can fill in all of that sort of unknown, describes so many possibilities, lots of details. And Mark, he seems to have cared less. In a few short verses, these four fishermen, they leave everything and follow Jesus. But we can't leave it at that. There's no way that would happen. In our wildest imaginations, we simply can't believe it's possible to leave everything and follow Jesus immediately. And since we can fill in the blanks, we we attribute to them special status. Because that only applies to them. And there's so many possibilities of this applying not to us, it's, you know, it's obviously not there. Because our lives are too complicated. We have too many responsibilities. And there's way too many unknowns, right? Uh, unanswered questions, ones that aren't even asked. We, we need to prayerfully think through those options, and much more research is needed before we can go there. It's not good to act impulsively or make rash decisions, so don't overlook anything. But friends, what if, what if 
The calling of the first four disciples happened exactly how Mark described it. What then do we make of that this morning? And how does it apply to us? Will we hear it as an intrusion into the well-crafted religious routine we've become familiar with and comfortable with? And will as quickly as possible return to that routine? I find it interesting that our Old Testament reading is appointed by the Revised Common Lectionary um, across the church globally with a familiar story of Jonah. And it's one I think perhaps we might resonate with more, right? I, I presume you're familiar with it. You know the story, the word of the Lord came to Jonah says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come before me. Out of the blue, no warning, no explanation, God calls Jonah to be a missionary to the most hated people of the Israelites. You remember his response, right? Jonah rose to flee. He's out of there. No thanks, God. Find someone else, someone special. I'm fleeing from this. So he jumps on a ship going the other direction. Okay, now just tell me, is, is that not a bit more believable? And can't we relate to that better than to the response of the disciples? I mean, have you ever heard of anyone trying to fill in the blanks or explain about Jonah and all that? You know, like, like I mean, really? Like, no, no, yeah, of course that's what he did. That's, of course, what we do. That's exactly what we want. There's nothing missing. No, that's exactly how it happened. Jonah just, you know, he's, he knew, now he's out of there. Because we understand Jonah's response. And even though some will call this, what, a big fish tale, we still resonate with it. We still totally like, yeah, no, that really happened. That's exactly, exactly. God calls you to go confront your greatest enemy. He calls you to give up everything, to leave your family, etc. And your immediate response is to flee. Remember what the author said. We resist change. We want to know what the new story we're stepping into before we step out of the old one. I definitely think I resonate with Jonah much more easily. And I think that's why it's so fitting to read it this morning. Of course, Jonah's story doesn't end there, right? Actually, we've not even gotten to where we picked up that reading this morning in the appointed reading. So let me back up maybe one verse to help you get placed where we were. The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to a second time, right? You got the picture. He's fleeing. He's on the boat. They figure out he's not doing what he's supposed to do. He's been disobedient. They throw him overboard. Fish catches him, goes and spits him up. The Lord says, okay, now will you do what I've asked you to do? Second time? Again, isn't that more familiar? It, it is to me. God coming a second time, a second time, especially after a, la after a lack of obedience. Right. The fishes vomited Jonah up on the dry land. But God won't take no for an answer. I love the church year. I, I do. I, I love the church's uh, passing of seasons, and each one has its particular emphasis. And it's so helpful as we go through the year. We're here in the season of, of Epiphany, which uses light, as we've obviously seen. And it was a few weeks ago in the opening verses of his gospel, John proclaimed that the light had come into our darkened world. Again, Bishop Willimon says, the way the light breaks forth is for Jesus to go into the world and call ordinary people to be his disciples. Why? 
because Jesus cares for the lost, the least, the broken, and the sinful. And his plan is for us to share the light. So if you've noticed during this season, uh, our lessons all highlight this call to go, calling the disciples, calling the people to go, to care for the broken, to care for the lost, because God cares for them. God cared for the people of Nineveh, and he wants Jonah to go to preach and have them return and come back to him. And perhaps it's a footnote to mention this morning, God obviously cares for Jonah as well, right? Don't, don't miss sight of the fact that he certainly cares for the people of Nineveh. But he could have just let Jonah drown. Move on, get somebody different. No, his call is on Jonah, who he continues to call, continues to guide, continues to direct. And again, I, I just hope I'm not the only one here this morning who can relate to God's relentless call to follow and to serve him in your life. I am so thankful he didn't give up on me. I won't enumerate those times for you here, maybe ever, that I fell short. But I love how the old prayer book's confession says, I've left done those things we should have done, and we've done those things that we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. Yet even then, God's call for us to repent and to turn and to follow his call is freshly there. Now, we don't have a particularly long season of Epiphany this year, so I, so I hope that we hear, again, this important reminder to follow Jesus, to join him on his mission to reach the lost. It was before Jesus issued this call, Mark told us one other um, priority, the, the, the greater priority, I guess you'd say. He said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. In other words, what Mark is saying is the world has changed. And the world has changed for us. The light has come into our lives, and so the world has changed. I, I feel it very much so when I take them off and I can see you clearly, and I put them on and I can see clearly. The world has changed. While I was away this past week, I was able to attend the Mere Anglican Conference in Charleston, South Carolina. It had a great lineup of speakers and teachers from across the globe. And the title of the, the, the theme of the, of the conference was Speaking the Truth in Love, the Church and the Challenge of the New Morality. All the various speakers highlighted how very different the culture has become over the last five years. And it was clear we have a challenge to speak the truth into the culture. Yet we're not to shrink back from it. We're not to flee from our call. Instead, we're to call, follow Jesus. While we're in the world, we can live in this new light that we've been given, the new life Jesus gives us. Sometimes we seem to forget the message Jesus proclaimed and which he called us to share. We're to declare the good news to a world that has changed, a world that has changed, a world in which we can now promise the forgiveness of sins and that it's available today. You see, God called Jonah and the disciples, and he's calling you and me. How will you respond? Pastor Jim Dennison, he's, uh, I think he's in East Texas somewhere. He tells of a time he was in college, and he spent a summer as a missionary in East Malaysia. In a church on that one Sunday morning, a teenage girl was being baptized. And during the service, Jim noticed that there was some like worn-out luggage up against the wall. And so after the service, he asked the local pastor, what's all that luggage over there? 
The pastor told him that, the, in fact, it belonged to this young girl who was being baptized. He told her, Jim, her father said that if she was baptized as a Christian, she could never come home again. So she brought her luggage. Immediately, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So as you go out this morning, what will it be? Having heard the call to follow Jesus, will this only be a brief challenging interruption into your life? Will you flee from his call? Or will you leave here walking in the light of his presence, responding to his call immediately? I'd like to close this morning to give you um, two or three, I think it's three questions from a from a 10-question list that I got several years ago about it's a New Year's kind of thing. And I, and I think these particularly apply for what we're thinking about this morning. And so I give you these questions just for your consideration. First of all, for whose salvation will you pray most fervently for this year? Who is that? Who is that person? Secondly, what single thing that you plan to do this year will matter most in 10 years or in eternity. And finally, where and how is God calling you to follow him this year? May it be to follow him and become a fisher of men. Let's pray. Father, on this Sunday in this great season of Epiphany where we hear the inbreaking of your kingdom and the light of your son Jesus coming into our lives and a call on each of our lives to follow him. May we do so immediately in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.